0: Hello listeners, Yamina here. Welcome to the Dr. GPCR podcast. Before we dive into this episode, we would like to take a moment and thank our Dr. GPCR ecosystem partners for their support. Domain Therapeutics, GPCR Therapeutics, Design Pharmaceuticals, Montana Molecular, and Orion Biotechnology. We hope that you were able to join us at the Dr. GPCR Symposium on Molecular and Structural Insights in GPCR Activation. If not, you can go back and watch the recorded talks with your premium membership. Also, mark your calendar for the upcoming symposia on September 22nd, on the topics of GPCRs as therapeutic targets. If you'd like to be considered as a speaker or have a speaker suggestion, please email us at hello at drgpcr.com. More information can be found in the ecosystem. If you haven't noticed yet, we've added menu buttons at the top of the page for your convenience, to help you navigate the ecosystem more effectively. And now let's dive into this episode.
1: Hello everyone. This is Yamina from Dr. GPCR. And this morning I'm very excited to have with me Kashbar Pandi And it was interesting because before we hit record, we just switched from Hungarian to English. So now I have my brain has to. We adapt to the to the English cashpad. Welcome.
2: Hi, Emia. Thank you very much for having.
1: Me. I'm super excited to talk to you. And for those so for those listeners who don't know who you are, uh, you've been featured many times in the ecosystem and gave a lot of talks about GPCRDB. But before we get into that, why don't we start with a quick introduction as to who you are?
2: Yeah. Yes, so my, my name is Gashva. I, I come from Hungary. I live in Hungary right now. Um, uh, I am a bioinformatician. Uh, I studied first biology here in Hungary and then did my master's in bioinformatics in Denmark, Copenhagen. And uh, ever since most, mostly finishing my uh, master's, I've been working in the Glorium group and the Glorium's group. Uh, as a developer of GPCRDB and as of this year I've taken on the role of lead developer of the database. Uh, So my day-to-day work is mostly uh, adding new data uh, related to GPCRs but also G-proteins, restins uh, and uh, of course that includes all types of data so that is structure, sequence, ligands, basically any facets as you can think of being part of GPCRdb. I uh, work with that kind of data, but also developing new tools and maintaining the old tools uh, of the website. <coughs> uh, I started out, well, I guess I don't know how I should, should I start with the, 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 the kind of work that I do on a daily basis. Um, Okay, maybe just please. back to more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, please, please.
1: Yeah. No, 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 Don't go ahead. I think it's interesting. And I will anyway go back and ask you more questions. Okay,
2: so. okay, okay, great. So um, my main specialties, I guess, uh, is uh, the sequence alignments. So I've been working a lot with those. Um, originally, uh, well, or like some time before, uh, when well, we uh, worked on Sequence alignment in GPCRDB. The idea was that we sort of try to predict what the best sequence alignment we can get for every GPCR that is in the database, and then whenever a new structure comes out, which you know we can actually see how <laughs> that uh, alignment should look like in three D space, then we update the sequence alignment. So uh, that was our approach. So that's the reason why I really got into. The sequence alignment part, especially uh, related to structures, so I worked a lot with structures. I was the one who always looked at the new newly published structures and added them into the database. So, uh, on a, on one hand, that was a lot of fun because you know whenever something really interesting came out, it was like oh wow this structure is <laughs> something new and special we haven't seen before, so that was uh, quite exciting. But on the other hand, at, at one point, we got so many structures that I just couldn't keep up. <laughs> so uh, that's where we had to switch gears a bit. and They started to automate uh, our processes a bit more. But uh, yeah, so also structures. Uh, I'm, I worked a lot with those. And uh, related to that, my actually, my original student project, started as a student project during my master's was to create this uh, chimeric homology modeling pipeline for cheaply So uh, So it's, it's a bit weird, I guess, that it was actually a student project that David proposed to any interested students uh, at the university there in Copenhagen. And then I applied for that student project. And it, you know, it uh, I liked it so much that it ended up being my master's Thesis as well. And then I kept on working for David and I worked on that pipeline for a couple of more years and tried to uh, make it uh, at the best it can be. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's why uh, homology models is also something I worked a lot with. Although, since AlphaFold really came into place, that also changed somewhat. <laughs> So, yeah, there's been also a shifting of the gears there as well.
1: I like it the, how you adapt with, you adapted with the times, you know, too many structures yeah. requires automation, alpha fold needs, need to adapt to it. Yeah. You mentioned that um, you started out in biology. Yeah. Um, did you always know that you liked biology or as a child, how, how, yeah. how was your relationship with science in general?
2: Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's interesting. I, I hear a lot of people who are, you know, become scientists say that there was, I don't know, some special interest or there was a moment where something clicked. That wasn't really the case for me. So in high school, I was interested in a lot of things. Uh, I I started playing the guitar uh, when I was thirteen so when uh so yeah that's that small thing and then i was i also like literature a lot and uh, uh, movies and uh, politics as well (laughs) and uh, economics somewhat and also biology of course so uh there were a couple of uh, classes in high school where uh, certain topics in biology just really clicked for me so that was immunology and genetics something for some reason I, I think I was thinking about this a little bit recently I think it's because of the system like you know how how the sort of these intricate systems and how parts of the systems uh fall in order and fell into their place and uh and some sort of something about causality as well so you know there's a reason for everything so we have this protein in this system because this is its function and uh, it has its place so i think something about systems really clicked for me there but i wasn't sure so uh, when i was applying uh, for uh, university programs first place it was the jazz guitar (laughs) program i really wanted to do that but uh, yeah i wasn't very good at it to be honest (laughs) so second place was biology and uh, that's uh, where I went eventually. But I also you know, uh, put in polit- politics as well. I, I'm not sure how the program is called in English, but anyway, political sciences, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, maybe another program for in the humanities, and I think economists maybe it was. Uh, so I really didn't know that I wanted to be a scientist. But I think there's also something uh, the way I think, or maybe because of what kind of games I liked when I was a kid. So I really like these, uh, I guess also systems that, where, you know, there's a, I don't know, a ball that goes through a a path or something and it hits over a domino and then that does something else. So I like to build those kind of games and, so uh, yeah, I think it's something with my way of thinking. I'm a bit yeah. pr- pragmatic and like to think in these systems. So I think that's just how it's settled. And uh, by the way, uh, during the bachelor program, so biology, I during the, the, the program itself, I really wasn't sure <laughs> I like doing this. So <laughs> not, nothing really clicked there for me for quite a while. So. It took me a while to finish the program as well, and I didn't really enjoy it. I also did a a guitar program uh, for three years in between, like parallel to my university studies. I didn't study uh, guitar again. And then there was one class in biochemistry where uh, there was like this really uh, a, a sort of an auxiliary part of the course so it was really just like one hour of a practical where it was a bioinformatics task and that was the thing that clicked for me like oh okay <laughs> so you can this is also biology but you can do this with uh, with uh, you know with, uh, programming languages and you can search the internet for data and You know make queries and and draw conclusions based on that so that was the thing that clicked for me and that's when I knew that I wanted to do uh, bioinformatics and uh, there was no program here in Hungary so I, I finished my bachelor and then I applied in Denmark because they had bioinformatics program there and it turned out to be a really good program I really liked it it was a really different experience for me. So uh, there, was, there were a lot of practicals in there, in that program, and uh, also these student projects. So it's like, uh, I think it's like a quarter of a semester student mm-hmm. project, not sorry, half of a semester. So it's quarter of a year uh, student project. So it's like two and a half months or so. Mm-hmm. And really tries to mimic what you could do later on as a scientist. Yes. So you're doing your students here, year, student years, and I really like that. And um, so I I I I did that program on time <laughs> and, and I really enjoyed the whole experience. And then yeah, so that's when I met David as well. And uh yeah, I've been working for think, ever since. But uh, interestingly, I didn't stay in Copenhagen in Denmark because my uh Wife couldn't find a job there, so she had to move to a different country. She moved to Poland, where she got a job. So we, we sort of figure out figured out this remote way of working. And uh, I worked from Poland for like three and a half years
1: wow. remotely
2: for David. And then we moved back to Hungary uh, after that, and I've been working remotely again. Since. Wow,
1: so so you started working remotely before even COVID? Made yes, yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: that was such a weird experience for me. Like you know, everybody sort of starting to experience what I've been experiencing for <laughs> for years. Sometime, yeah, yeah. So that was an interesting, interesting experience
1: how cool is that how did you so you mentioned that in Hungary there was no bioinformatics program at the time and then you decided yeah. to go to Copenhagen to Denmark why Denmark was there and was this the only place at the time in Europe where you thought it was a good program or did you have any specific reason why picking Copenhagen
2: yeah uh, so i think there were multiple reasons one of them was uh, tuition so this program was tuition-free, mm-hmm. and uh, that was a big plus. Like, uh, of course. Uh, so uh, coming from Middle Eastern Europe to a uh, Western country, uh, mm-hmm. funding-wise or <laughs> money-wise can be a bit difficult. Uh, So that was an important part where uh, in, in the decision, for sure. But there were other countries as well. I think Germany also offered some tuition free programs at the time, maybe Finland, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, I, I looked up the Danish program itself and I, I just liked it. So uh, it really seemed, I don't know, so student-friendly or whatnot. So really yeah. modern and, uh, I don't know, really concise in the sense that there there weren't a lot of courses and you know a lot of unnecessary courses Mm -hmm. it was really a a well put together program and uh and I heard good things about Denmark uh, yeah Copenhagen so it seemed like a a really good pick and uh, I I I, I didn't regret it definitely I think that was the one of the best decisions of my life to apply to Denmark. I love it
1: I love it because I think the way you're describing the program and the university and, and the entire environment in Copenhagen, it sounds like it really clicked with your way of working and thinking and having a structure and having a system. Uh, It sounds like that that's one of the main reasons it's really the systematic aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. You you mentioned living in, in Denmark. How was the adaptation phase moving out of, Hungary to to Denmark. I mean, it's still in Europe, but still, yeah. it's yeah, Western yeah. Europe versus. Um, yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, uh, there were some interesting <laughs> things there for sure. So I, I didn't live that long for that long in Copenhagen. I think it was one and a half year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had to take a, a sort of a student job or something like that. Uh, so I was delivering newspapers uh, mm-hmm. like tw- twice a week or something like that, and it I, I that was a really bad job to be honest. It was <laughs> you know, a lot of lot of waste of paper, uh, but uh, I had to do something. And it at the time it was really difficult to find anything like that. Uh, so that was in two thousand thirteen, I think, where I <laughs> I, I moved out and uh yeah, yeah there were not a lot of open positions <laughs> for yeah. uh, students or student jobs so uh that was one part of it and then of course i i i had to make some uh difficult choices on what i spend my <laughs> hard-earned uh, money on so times were tough a bit i, I remember one of my uh, most common uh, dishes that i made for myself was rice with brie cheese because for some reason brie cheese was not that expensive (laughs) so that's something i ate a lot Uh, but yeah otherwise it was uh, it was a great experience so like uh, you know moving moving to a different country on your own i think that's something that everyone should really try because uh it really, you know, tests you in in different ways. Tests your resolve and and uh makes you, you know, makes really makes you reach out to people because you're on your own. And you know, if you want to stay healthy in mind and whatnot, uh, you really have to, to interact with people. And of course, I, I had the the university program for that, which was a great place to. Uh, make friends and uh, interact with people but uh, yeah I I think so I I really like that that was such a good learning adventure both scientifically uh, as in the program but also personally um, was uh, I, I grew a lot I think during that time
1: you made a great point about, you know, getting out there and, and living on your own. I think it it is very difficult because you get out of your comfort zone, but at the same time, that's how you grow. If you can move away, you know, do what needs to be done to to survive and to live, and then having needing to make new friends, needing to learn new things, it's painful, but you, it's so enriching because then you can prove to yourself that no matter what happens you can deal with whatever life throws at you yeah. it's yeah. very painful it's part of growing it's very painful yes. and you have to do it i have an odd question uh, regarding the newspaper did you have to deliver it in the morning i think
2: it wasn't specified that strictly so i didn't have to okay. wake up super early okay. it was time frame so it was okay. somewhat somewhat friendly okay. <laughs> to the employees <laughs> yeah. but still it was yeah
1: busy. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> just... No, the, so one of the reasons I asked that because I, I did that as well during my yeah. during high school but also to, towards the end of my PhD and uh-huh. the newspaper had to be delivered by 6 30 in the morning Ooh,
2: that's so and <laughs> it was
1: it was deposited at 3 30 in the morning and it had to be delivered by 6 30 and after that, it was shower, coffee, another coffee, and then going to the lab. So mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I have this love-hate relationship with with the newspaper delivery routes and, and yeah. things like that. Uh, yeah. Although I have to say that a lot of when when I stopped, I left a little note to all of my customers, and um, people were really shocked to know that. A, soon to be phd <laughs> was delivering to them the newspaper some were really wow. really nice um <laughs> i thought it i thought it was really an enriching uh, experience very painful i <laughs> fell asleep multiple times going home from from the lab on the train <laughs> but uh that's why i was asking what time did you have to <laughs> to get up and do it yeah yeah <laughs> all right so you mentioned uh you know going to Copenhagen and, and then having this internship and then the student project. Is that the first time where you heard about GPCRs or is that? Okay. Can you tell us a little yes. bit more about that experience?
2: Yes. Yes. So I think I mentioned before that uh, so David Gloria, um, uh, like that. not only him. So there are these uh, events there in Copenhagen uh, at the university where uh researchers try to promote these student projects to attract uh, students to their labs and so there was this uh yeah this um this one time where this there was this meeting and david made a small presentation about uh uh what kind of student project he has and uh interestingly yeah no, it comes to me back now that uh I think the one thing that really caught my eye in his presentation was the fact that he mentioned that he has uh, collaborations in Poland <laughs> because the, I already knew that we, we're going to be moving into Poland. And that was something, I, oh, OK, that's exciting. But also, fortunately, it was uh, this homology modeling pipeline that he was uh, trying to attract students to. And my bachelor thesis was about homology models uh, was an insect uh, gut protein, I think. That I tried to find some homologous sequences too. Uh, nothing really came out of it, but it was a good uh, student project for homology modeling. So that sort of was like, um, yeah, a bit of a, uh, um, I guess, a aha moment of some sorts of like, <laughs> oh, okay, so this <laughs> okay. sounds to be suited to me. <laughs> And then, yeah, I, I went up to David and it was very inviting and welcoming. So we started working together and uh, that's the first time I really learned about GPCRs. So yeah, the G- they already had GPCRDB set up. So at the time, <clears throat> Ligner Isberg was the lead developer. So he uh, showed me around and <laughs> the GPCRDB system. Although ever since, uh, it was also reprogrammed, the whole thing. So it was actually Wigner who moved the whole system from PHP to Python.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: but yeah, that, that was the first time with, with
1: wow. How old was GPCRDB at the time where you were exposed to it the first time?
2: Oh, I used to notice, I won't remember how, now the exact year. But a couple of years before that okay i i so was, we have it somewhere that but I, I just don't recall the exact year now but yeah a couple of years before
1: it was in its infancy compared to today um com- com- it was early years for sure. <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love it so during your um your studentship, so you mentioned you mentioned you know the masters but if i under- if i remember correctly and please correct me if i'm wrong you decided then to move on and do a phd or or, uh, or or how how did that work? You mentioned the masters, master's and then the student. Yeah. And then what next?
2: Yeah. Well, uh, interestingly, I still don't have my PhD degree <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I think it's just because of this moving around and uh, you know working remotely. I, I I never really got into a, a sort of a proper PhD program program in that sense uh, and. Um, and I just kept on working. So you know, in, for my day-to-day job, I don't really need the degree in some yeah. sense. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm in front of my computer. And uh, uh, I, I just uh, do data mm-hmm. management and yeah. developing tools and whatnot. Uh, so I just worked as an employee ever mm-hmm. since, basically uh but i mean it it is very high time to get my phd it's really just up to me i just have to dedicate some time to it yeah and uh yeah so (laughs) i'm looking forward to that (laughs) uh, to be (laughs) honest but it really you know hasn't hasn't really been an issue in the sense of you know i don't know uh, publishing or of course uh, meeting with people on conferences or and doing presentations and whatnot. So it's 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 interesting that, uh, you know, you, you can be a scientist like this as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And, and I think that for some reason, and again, uh, I may have been, I, I was totally wrong about this. For some reason, I had in mind that you were finishing up your PhD or you were doing a PhD when we first mm. met. Yeah. But I yep. think it's a great example, as you said, that you can be a scientist, that you can do actually what you love, what you're really good at remotely from a different country and yep. still contribute and publish. So I think it's really great.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And uh yeah. And really, it's like... uh yeah, so i it's i think it's just the degree itself that i'm missing so i i have yeah. been uh, looking into these uh, uh, self-preparatory phd programs where you don't mm-hmm. have to enroll so yeah. i think that's what i'm going to do because i, I have quite a few publications that's needed for a phd uh <clears throat> But yeah, I, I I think it's yeah, it's interesting as well because when I meet people, they're also quite surprised that oh, <laughs> it's like <laughs> I thought you need a PhD to do what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's it's funny in that sense. That <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, one of the reasons why it came up is because since I mentioned in the beginning, you you gave multiple talks about GPCR DB yeah. and how to use it within with with Dr. GPCR. And every time we would prepare the images to put on social media i'd have to be careful to make sure who has the doctor in front of their name yeah. or not yeah yeah, yeah. and and i remember thinking okay should we put a doctor or not and i think i even asked you back in the day yes 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 yes
2: <laughs> yes hopefully in a year or two <laughs> i mean at this at
1: this point that. i think it's just quote unquote a detail because yes. you have all the knowledge you have the papers it's just a matter of officializing Yeah, Yeah. the whole thing, that is amazing. So you mentioned to talk a little bit about your your day to day and and what do you what do you do? Um, and you also talked about the fact that you're evolving within your role because now you're a lead lead developer, but also you know, being forced by the fact that we have so many structures to use automation. Alpha Fold also made you guys switch the way the way you work. Um, how do you like change or how do you adapt <laughs> to change i don't like
2: it <laughs> <laughs> to be honest i i'm not a fan of change <laughs> personally <laughs> but i mean you know that's just uh some uh, uh personal quirk uh, and you know it's inevitable so yeah uh, i i think I, I i got used to it in some way but you know uh, at, at first it's always a bit frustrating for me let's just say it so i think my usually my first reaction is frustration but then <laughs> but then you know it, it, i get over that quite yeah. quick i i would say and then uh then it's just about the challenge itself like how yeah. can we solve this issue or, or that issue yeah uh so yes <clears throat> so i i think it, especially it was a bit personally difficult with the AlphaFold because so interestingly when the first AlphaFold models came out uh, we weren't very sure we weren't sure that we it's something that we should switch to right away because of some caveats right so the original AlphaFold models for the purposes of GPCR drug discovery at two major issues i would say one was the this uh, activation state bias that the models had so i think if i'm pretty sure if you still look onto the on, on the alpha database if you look at a uh, class a gpcr you will see it in the inactive state and if you look for a uh, class b1 uh, uh, gpcr you will find that in the active state and that's yeah. just because of the pool of templates that was yeah. used uh for generating those models so that was one issue that it was wasn't uh, uh state specific and the other of course is that there's no ligand in the system so uh AlphaFold just tries you know it's just models uh those uh residues and those uh binding pockets in a way that might not uh be able to um, hold a, a, a ligand. Yeah. So those were the two major things. And and then it uh, took some time. And also, uh, uh, a group in Boston came out with alpha-fold multistate, which makes it possible to do a state-specific alpha-fold model. And we've, yeah. we now use that uh, for our uh, last GPCRDB update paper. And uh, so at that time it was a bit difficult for me to let go of the old pipeline because I worked quite some years on that trying to perfect it, but it was evident that uh, this uh, alpha fold modeling is is is, is better. And yeah. So uh, personally, that was you know working for quite some years on something and then. just switching to something that was done by someone else that that was a bit uh hard to do but i mean i i i don't hold resentments (laughs) so uh, i i i see that you know these are models i'm I'm quite impressed now to be honest and uh, now we've been using other uh, forms of output so we're also using for multimer in our ongoing projects. And those are also uh, very, very, very good models. So you know, it's just I guess, uh, <laughs> trying to let go of <laughs> something.
1: Yeah, I think I think changes and, and you make a great point change is hard, no matter what it is. Um, but I think uh, the reason I was asking is because you mentioned that you liked systems and you liked, you know, things that are organized. So anything that mix yeah. or messes up the organization it must be unsettling. But at the same time the scientists in you sees the benefits of it. Yeah.
2: yeah and then exactly. you're like, okay,
1: it's hard now, but I'll get used to it because it has a benefit at the end. Yeah. You know, change is hard for everybody and everything. Uh, and it's it's okay to <laughs> to not be happy about it. But at the same time, adapting to change is 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 really really crucial.
2: Yes, yes, I, I agree. Okay.
1: All right, so GPCRDB, um, as a lead developer, what is your role in general? You We talked a little bit about the different things that you worked on, but what's your role? If somebody yeah. were, were to come to you and say, I have this, what kind of problems p- could people come to you with and say, okay, part this is addressed to you because you're the lead developer? Yeah, Yeah, yeah.
2: So, interestingly, that really depends on the problem and who's coming up with the problem because, mm-hmm. as you know, it's not, not only team members or yeah. uh, colleagues in the university or whatnot, yeah. but also just regular users come uh, yeah. with, with issues and uh, also industry partners sometimes uh, reach yeah. out. Um, so, yeah. basically, anything that's related to the GPCRDB, okay. to be honest, is is now coming to me. Uh, uh, we have a small team now uh, we have uh, including me three developers mm-hmm. uh, and David as as the head of the, the whole team and uh, we try to divide uh, who's doing what uh, every now and then but uh, my main role is to uh, bring the new releases and basically I'm the one who merges all the development that make makes a sort of a, the, the final a, mm-hmm. end result or end uh, package and uh, also of course uh, with David we uh, strategize on uh, what should be the new uh, additions to gpCR DB and also our sister databases yeah and yeah uh, um, so yeah, I, I'm not sure if that answered your question properly. No, no,
1: but... it, it absolutely does. It absolutely does. And it's interesting because when I say GPCRDB, I don't only think about GPCRs. I, I think about the entire yeah. ecosystem, basically. It's yeah, just yeah. difficult from a branding perspective to call it a DB and g DB when GPCRDB has been established for such a long time.
2: Yes, yes, yes. I agree that is a bit uh, that is a bit <laughs> difficult yeah. sometimes for us as well. But uh, yes, and also interestingly, like uh, it's similar to the way we think about it because in our day to day work, uh, so these sister databases are really linked together in the background, yeah. data wise as well. So they communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. So when we develop something new for one of them, it can really Right away affect the other databases as well. Yeah. Uh, so yes, I understand.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> sounds like sounds more like a, a three-legged and a three-headed uh, dog. You know the <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where you have you have GPCR DB and then you have the the other two heads there. Um. How? I I. I I guess you were already with with David and the team. Where when the idea of bringing in G protein DB and Restin DB, and also the the bias signaling, how did that come to to be? Yeah. When was that moment where you realized you guys realized oh maybe we should further develop the original version of GPCR DB?
2: Yes, I, I think uh, I think it was really uh, about. Um, expanding our reach in some sorts. So yeah. of course, as you mentioned, GPCRDB was quite a, a developed brand and in that sense. But it's also like somewhat it seemed that some of these, uh, well, at that time they were not sister databases. But so these yeah. other parts of GPCRDB were, were a bit too hidden. Mm-hmm. So like, you know. Uh, fact that we have so many g-protein related data and features just somewhat i don't know got a bit you know uh, overshadowed (laughs) somewhat uh, with gpcr so uh and uh, so that's one part and actually originally the way the code was set up uh, uh made it so there was some sort of a well, way of thinking ahead the time I think it was probably Wigner's idea or Wigner and David together came up with this to, to have sort of a, uh, a some sort of a hub uh, as the basis on, a, on the code level so it really just made sense uh, at the time uh, to uh, branch out like this and it was also fun to by the way create those uh for all the system databases. So somehow, I'm not sure exactly, but uh, uh, well, that was one part, of course. And then also uh, publication-wise, this made uh, more sense. So we had quite uh, uh, a nice impact uh, with uh, our GPCRDB publications. But this was also uh, a way to. Uh, 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 distribute our research a bit,
1: yeah,
2: uh, in a bigger net or wider. Net.
1: Of course, and I think it it appeal. It's it's like having different flavors of ice cream. It's still yeah. ice cream, but you have different flavors and some some like more one versus the other. Or would use would come back to get more of one versus the other. Um, yeah. Yet it's still it's still ice cream.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. That's, that's, that's really fantastic. Any, can I ask, and you may or may not know, or you may or may not want to answer, mm-hmm. but, um, from a user perspective, do you quantify how many people use GPCRDB versus G protein versus beta restin or restin? I guess as, as a system thinker and somebody who's very number number oriented, you guys do, are people more, what are people liking more or using more?
2: Yes. So, uh actually we've, so we we uh, have some Google Analytics uh, on the side, so we uh, do check uh what the user count is. But that mm-hmm. was basically the only real metric that we, we've been looking for and really we didn't really uh uh check you know the subsystems in that yeah. sense. Uh, but uh, actually, it was I think this month or last month that we uh had to switch from to the new analytics system. It doesn't really matter, but I I now set up uh, a new system, and that really clearly shows which side is more favorable. Yeah. And uh, well, GPCRDB is by far the most uh <laughs> yeah. most uh visited, and then G protein is the mm-hmm. second. So far, but I think that makes sense in, in, in the way that this is the order David established. So, yeah, our uh, um, DB we haven't even published yet. We're planning to publish that uh, later this year. Mm-hmm. And then the signaling atlas, that was last year. Yeah, we published it. So, I hope that uh, you know, also these databases will climb a bit. Uh, but of course, the GPCRDB is our flagship.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, the reason I was asking is because um, I remember David mentioning, you know, um, at the GRC, and he always always tells these that you know he really wants to collaborate, and everybody's welcome to to pitch in with data and things like that. That's a great way to better understand the the ecosystem around you and try and think strategically about what next to bring. But as as kind of an addition to that, being able to look at what people are using the most, where people are spending more time, also gives you a a wider net of what is necessary, what is needed, what might people be interested in in, in using more.
2: Yes, I agree. Uh, I, I'm planning to do a more in-depth analysis on pages visited on our yeah. site to even have more detailed knowledge about this. What I know so far, is this, the structure page. So the, the that yeah. table that collects all the structured data, that is one of the most visited things uh, that we have on, on the site. So I think uh, users really are looking for the new structures, and how that structural data is uh, annotated in the system, and how it connects to all the rest mm-hmm. of uh, the data we have.
1: Awesome. No, I love it. I think it's really, um, it's a really nice and neat system. Every time I'm thinking about something, I don't even go anywhere else but GPCRDB. I'm it's glad just, to that. <laughs> it's just an easy. It's just it's a hub, basically, as you mentioned. You you were talking about you know from a code perspective, but it, I think for a lot of people, it's also a hub. You're looking for something, you just check there first. That's the uh the 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 point. And most of the time I always found what I was looking for without having to dig into publications or, or PDB or anything else. Awesome. Uh, let's switch a little bit gears and and talk mm-hmm. about, you mentioned aha moment in the beginning yeah. of the conversation. So are there any aha moments that you know changed your trajectory? I'm really curious to hear because you have this very unusual path where you started out with biology which you hated (laughs) until you discovered bioinformatics and then moved to copenhagen for a little bit and then came back and you've been i think you're one of our first guests on the podcast who was working remotely way before covid happened ever so anything else you'd like to add as an aha moment
2: Yes, uh, I think, to be honest, I covered most of them. So I I think I mentioned already the, the one where but I've met bioinformatics uh, first. So that was the first one uh, for sure. And then uh, I guess the second one, it's maybe not really an aha moment in some sense, but uh, after finishing my master's, I was already living in Poland and... Uh, there was uh like a half a year where i was uh looking for a, a job basically mm-hmm. in poland uh because uh at that time i think that, so i just finished my program and uh so i i didn't get a, a position at that time uh, in the group because so you know david uh and i guess that makes a lot of sense as other uh lab heads as well would you know want someone to work actually in the same city yeah, <laughs> as your lab is so you know you know at the time that made complete sense so uh I, I didn't really have a job for half a year but i i couldn't let go of gpcrdb <laughs> so you know i i talked with david and uh he he, he was okay with me sort of working Keep them so still keeping on working on the code. I'm still mm-hmm. developing the uh, automated homology modeling pipeline. And at that time, I wasn't uh, 100% satisfied with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I wanted to, you know, sort of finish it in some sense to make it better. And that was sort of this uh, feeling, uh, I guess, because after half a year, David did offer me a position mm-hmm. because he, he he liked what I was doing and he saw that you know I I wanted to <laughs> yeah. uh, work on this more and uh, so I think that was sort of an aha moment in some sen- some sense that uh, you know even if so I I sort of just kept on working on it and that really was sort of uh, uh, what's that uh, acknowledged, uh, with, you know, yeah. <laughs> with offer any a position. So uh, that was sort of an interesting feeling like, oh, okay. So, you know, if you <laughs> keep on working <laughs> yes. without expecting anything in return, you might still get something <laughs> in return that yeah. is really beneficiary for you.
1: Yeah. I think it's, I think it is an aha moment because it shows your dedication. It shows yeah. that, you know, you're, you were not satisfied with the code and you felt like you needed to do something about it. And I think, uh, and then obviously David saw that you did good work because you would not be here today as lead developer. Yeah, yeah. If 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 during that time you'd have you know just let it go. Yes. No, I think it's awesome. Yes. Um, Uh, Yeah. Yes.
2: Uh, Sorry. And just the third one was the I would be the alpha fold uh, situation where I I was like. (laughs) again an aha moment oh aha i have to let this go
1: <laughs> you actually have to adapt to something new
2: <laughs> yes and it was like you know it, it 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 was a good choice so i i definitely don't regret it it was the right choice at the time yeah. as well and it was also an aha moment in the fact that okay i can let go of something that i really yeah. was attached to so that is awesome Nice. yeah
1: i think it's it's called evolving or part of growing up as well yeah sure. <laughs> the pains of growing up any advice for uh young scientists who want to contribute to the field
2: yeah uh so i think picking a good lab picking a good group, uh, and of course that has many facets on what you consider good <laughs> yeah uh, uh because you know even a with a big name you could go wrong personally uh so and you know at the time when i sort of picked david's group i didn't know (laughs) that it was going to be a good lab so i it you know it wasn't really a conscious choice for me it just really worked out well uh uh, but also you know i i would say that uh so I was really early stage, right? so it was during my master's program. So if yeah. as a young researcher, you're thinking about uh, going for a, 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 or looking for a new position as a postdoc, it's really about uh, trying to see what that group is working on and how that lines with your interests. Um, and also, I guess, maybe from my story would be to, Pick something you can't let go of <laughs> in <Yeah. laughs> some sense. Uh, and because I, I couldn't let go of GPCRDB at the time when I was uh, 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 looking for a job. And uh, it that worked out spectacularly for me. But of course, I'm now contradicting myself a little bit because I did manage to let go of the uh, modeling, the uh, modeling pipeline. Yeah. But uh but still I think this, you know, where, where you can find this dedication, um, uh, I think that's 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 the type of project you should be uh, yeah. looking for.
1: Yeah, and I think I think um you, you know you mentioned not not picking picking the project and picking David's group um wasn't a conscious choice, but at the same time, it worked out really well. And I think there's two 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 facets for that, in my opinion. Worked out really well because you really like what you were doing, but also from from David's perspective, you were you are appreciated, and you got the, all the support that you needed. And I think that goes both ways. I always tell people that, you know, finding a good lab or finding a job, it's like dating. Yeah, and there's there's two people in that at least two people in that relationship, and it has to be you know, mutually beneficial, it has to be respectful, it has to be, it has to allow both people to grow. And um you got lucky, I got lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of people didn't. And I think it's important to do your homework.
2: Yeah. Yes. You know,
1: exactly. always do your homework, talk to people, figure out what the lab is working on, talk to people who were in the lab, In the past one to three years because labs change people change pis change um and 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 do that homework but you know i'm glad i'm glad that you can let go of the code yeah (laughs) and i'm glad it worked out and david is wonderful so i think uh it was it was you you got lucky but also at the same time you were in the right environment for you
2: yes yes i agree and it was also i think uh about that that choice that i i didn't want to change somewhat so like you know i i agree that it's really about two people and i liked working with david so i didn't really want to go to another group yeah so
1: no agreed well on this note thank you so much for your time and um i really enjoyed talking to you i i learned a lot about 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 systems and how change can be difficult but at the same time you have to adapt with with whatever life throws at you, including AlphaFold. <laughs> yes.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
0: All right. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us and listening to this Dr. GPCR podcast episode. We would like to thank our guests. We also want to take, say thank you to our Dr. GPCR team members Attila, Ines, Montserrat, Ivana, Andreina, Balint, and Julia. A huge thank you to our ecosystem partners as well. Domain Therapeutics, GPCR Therapeutics, Design Pharmaceuticals, Montana Molecular and Orion Biotechnology. You can connect with our partners directly in the ecosystem, so don't forget to join us today. Please subscribe to the Dr. GPCR newsletter. Find us on YouTube, and if you like our podcast, leave us a 5-star review on Apple Podcast. You can also leave us a testimonial at drgpcr.com/testimonials. Another great way to support us is to share your favorite Dr. GPCR program with your network and colleagues. With any questions or suggestions, feel free to email us at any time at hello at drgpcr.com. Until next time, stay safe.